0: Doctor's Log, April 10th, mid-afternoon. I've been sitting here after a day of meeting after meeting about COVID-19. I'm helping out with a number of COVID-related efforts in our hospital, including creating ethical guidelines around allocation of scarce resources, working on some research projects related to COVID-19, and helping create some protocols for clinical care. And you should understand, I'm seriously no one special in the hospital. I'm just a regular ER doctor and faculty member. It's just that everyone is chipping in with the disaster response and kind of getting pulled in all directions. So in the middle of all this today, I had another disturbing revelation that's left me a little bit worried, more than a little bit worried. I am very aware, thinking back to the past few podcasts that I keep on talking about all the things I'm worried about, including shortages of face masks and other personal protective equipment, shortages of medications, shortages of rooms and equipment, and the second surge of demand on hospital resources and on and on. And so first of all, I just wanted to establish that I'm not a chronically worried or negative person. Um, And I, I didn't want you to have to take my word for it. So I asked a friend. Hello? Hi, Eliz. It's Esther. Hey, Esther. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I have a couple questions for you. Okay. This is my friend, Elizabeth. I did not plant the answers. I just called her up. Cold. So we've known each other for a really long time yeah like 30 years 30 years you're one of my best friends and you know me really yeah. well but you also don't just flatter me i feel like you give me honest feedback yeah is that true course. okay so um i was hoping you could um uh, again be really straightforward and honest and just tell me what kind of person you think i am and i'm going to give you two choices okay so a do i tend to be pretty anxious about things and Really spend a lot of time thinking about what can go wrong and sort of go through life in a kind of worst case scenario mindset? Or do you think, B, I'm more um, laid back, relaxed, and optimistic and uh, inclined to think things that will go well? I'm going to say you're more optimistic. I don't think of you as an anxious person. I think if you're an optimistic, generally happy person, but that you are definitely a realist and that you try to stay informed and definitely are aware of situations and and problems and thinking of solutions, but um, not in an anxious way. You feel pretty confident with that assessment. Yeah. You're not just trying to be nice. Oh, no, no. I would definitely say you're not somebody who's always assuming the worst case scenario. So, Anyway, as the realist that I am, according to Elizabeth, I am now looking at the landscape and I'm worried about something else. And it's because a friend messaged me the other day and said, we should really notify people that we're entering natural disaster season. So hurricane season starts in June and ends in November with a peak at the end of the summer. And that overlaps with tornado season, which starts in late spring and goes into summer. And that overlaps with wildfire season. So going back to hurricanes, they've been more frequent because of climate change and the issue is that we need disaster preparedness and a response for all these things including a healthcare response. Let's say we get a major hurricane or two and or a bunch of wildfires and they require a massive response by FEMA and by the states including sending disaster response teams, evacuating large groups of people and of course, the recovery and rebuilding afterwards. And let's say all this happens when we're already depleted on every level in every resource because of COVID-19. I got to say, this is almost too overwhelming to think about. But at the same time, we need to prepare now so that we can respond to these regional disasters in the middle of a global pandemic. So that means we have to have a plan for evacuating hospitals. Those hospitals, if they're at max capacity, Their staff may already be very limited and stretched simply with clinical care. So we need to figure out how to support them in evacuating some very sick patients. Have we ever had to do a major evacuation while still maintaining precautions so that we don't spread the disease at the same time as we move patients in and out of one building and into transportation vehicles? And then... Just think about people who are not hospitalized but need to be evacuated from their homes. Usually we'll use large communal facilities like churches or gymnasiums or community centers to house them, but of course that's inappropriate when you're trying to contain an infectious disease like COVID-19. How do we socially distance in a disaster setting? One or two large natural disasters this summer could be the perfect accomplice to COVID-19 and give it a longer lifetime and a second surge that kind of derails our best containment measures. April 12th in the evening, I'm about to go into an overnight shift. I don't think I've worked a shift on Easter for years, probably close to a decade, because I'm always careful to take the shift off or swap out of it. It's a really important religious holiday for my family, so it's nice to be able to just focus on Doing the things that we love to do and going into church and having the luxury of the whole day without a shift to worry about. This year with COVID 19, I just lost track of time. I lost track of even the season and the holidays. And also, there's no church to go to this year, although we did log into the service online. But I don't mind working the holiday. I mean, that's when people need us most. On holidays, people want to be anywhere except for the ER. So the people who come in really need us are just so sick or really have no other place to go for any of their needs. And so the people you see, you're just kind of glad to help take care of. Anyway, I didn't want to end by just talking about this disaster we're going into with the natural disasters on top of COVID-19. I wanted to circle back and just talk about what we can do. As it turns out, the big breaking news story today was the release of these Red Dawn documents, which were emails passed around between public health officials at every level and academics specializing in infectious disease and pandemics. When you read back to their exchanges starting at the end of January, when they were watching the disease spread around the world and enter the U.S., it's really clear that these non-pharmaceutical interventions or NPIs, things like community isolation and stay-at-home orders were the main strategy we had, particularly because we simply got behind on testing and could not catch up. This group knew, at least some of them clearly knew, from the outset that getting people to stay at home and to close schools and events where people congregate was going to be a sheer necessity. They knew it way before the first states declared stay-at-home orders. And even though we started them so late, actually I'd say because we started them so late, it's more important than ever that we continue doing them and escalate them as we need to. This should have been the one of the first things that we did, but It remains what's in our power. For whatever reason, we have not been able to ramp up testing at scale. But we can still stay at home, and I don't mean that it's easy. It's so hard. It's harder on exactly the people who are always left behind. But for those who are able to do it, you must do it. There's nothing that replaces staying at home. So gloves, masks washing hands, all those are things that we have to do and that we should do on top of keeping ourselves at home, but we have to stay at home mostly. This is so hard and I can see the difference between a couple weeks ago when we were early on in this process and also the weather was pretty terrible to this weekend when it was, at least here in Portland, was absolutely gorgeous and people just were drawn outside because of the weather and the holiday and just the sheer sick of being insidedness but as we go into these overlapping national needs for resources it continues to be so important that people stay at home and really buckle down for the long haul besides staying at home what i've been recommending is for anybody who's in a position to give whether it's been to Food shelters or diaper banks or nonprofit organizations that help with disaster relief, the Red Cross, medical supply organizations, in whatever way that you've been giving and supporting others in this tough time, uh, please just plan on continuing to do so. We need to be in a really long term mindset with this current crisis, whether it's the surge of COVID-19 itself or all of these layered needs that are going to come in the next six to 12 to 18 months. So I so appreciate everyone who has reached out to help in small ways and big ways. Let's sustain the energy and uh, know that we will pull out of this, but we're going to need all hands on deck for quite some time. Thank you again for listening. I continue to appreciate you, and I hope you stay safe and well.